Don't call it a comeback. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? Grab my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. It's about as frequent as getting beaten up at a Philadelphia Eagle basketball uh, football game. This is the Press Box. That that's the sweetest thing you've said to me this hour. Ed Graney. Well, <gasps> I'm bored with this plan. Not an unattractive man, I suppose. Tyler Bischoff. You think with all that K-pop, that dude would be in a better mood. On ESPN Las Vegas. Here we are, back at home. Both like that little later wake-up call. Poor Charity's in the studio. That'll be around for a while, but first today... UNLV introduced its basketball coach yesterday. Let's get right to it. The first bite. <laughs> I forgot to send Jared the first bite. Did UNLV uh, <laughs> make a good hire with Kevin Krueger? Was that our question yesterday? Was that our question yesterday? Yes, yes it was. Jared, play the sounder again. I'll do it. Play it up, play it up. The first bite. Do you believe Kevin Kruger when he says UNLV is not a stepping stone job? Oh, it would have been different if Jared. Yeah, I'm gonna have a different answer because like Jared said job. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a really good entry. So I'm gonna I change every word properly. Yes. Uh, not with the emotion that the thespian uh, usually reaches. He was an actor in his uh, earlier days, so I'll have to give you the pass I there. Feel and like now I'm my being answer's discriminated be against on this show because <laughs> I wasn't an actor. In I know. Uh, two out of three words. I mean, what does that tell you? <laughs> There's two of us that can access our emotions. <laughs> yes. Overrated. Uh, well, stepping stone. I, I mean, boy, I got to be honest with you, for all involved, I hope he doesn't think that yet. Uh, hasn't coached a game at Utah. Boy, if he already thinks this is stepping stone, here we go again. Uh, so, Arizona I State. I mean, yeah, well, we'll keep an eye on Bob Hurley. Um, I mean, I think he loves it here, lives here. He talked about his family. They have a young child here. I think everyone assumes his parents will retire here, so their family will come back. So I would guess at this point his mind is not thinking on anything other than making UNLV better. Um, but like we've seen, you know, situations change, and either jobs don't come open and you don't do a good enough job, or they do come open. So I'll take him at his word for now, Tyler. I'll take him at his word for right now. He doesn't think that, and he thinks he's going to be here a long time. Yeah, yesterday he said, this is not a stepping stone for me personally. I don't see five years into the future being anywhere else or 10 years into the future being anywhere else. And I think with with Kevin Kruger, UNLV has prevented itself from losing a coach the way they lost Chris Beard and the way they lost TJ Otzelberger, where UNLV didn't have success under those two coaches. One was only here for 19 days, but like UNLV didn't actually have success under those coaches but they still left because their dream job came open and those schools were willing to hire them away from UNLV. With Kevin Kruger, there, there isn't really, I mean, maybe Arizona State in the future, but there isn't really like this phantom dream job out there that we know of that could steal Kevin Kruger. Now, I think it's completely fair to say if Kevin Kruger is awesome for the first three years at UNLV, he might get stolen. Like, this might turn into a stepping stone for him. If he takes UNLV to, like, back-to-back NCAA tournaments, there might be a power conference job that comes looking for him. And if that's the case, he might very well go. Because if they're offering to double your salary or triple your salary, whatever it is, 
it, that's hard to turn down, even if you love Las Vegas, even if you love UNLV. But in that scenario, UNLV will have actually won some games. UNLV will have actually done something on the floor. And when you lose a coach after, you know, making a couple NCAA tournaments, it's a lot easier as a program to swallow that than it is when Otzelberger dumps you after two years with no success and Chris Beard dumps you after 19 days without even knowing him. At least, I think, in this scenario, if Kevin Kruger would ever leave UNLV for a better job, it would be after he has on-court success. I heard Oklahoma's going to open up soon. Well, uh, you know, to that point, you know, to that point of what Jared just said, I mean, the Oklahoma AD loved Lon Kruger, tried to hire him before, didn't get it done, finally got it done. Uh, And Lon went and, you know, Big 12 and the money and the power, and everyone said, hey, you know, uh, congratulations. I mean, anyone here, I, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, hated losing him and, you know, really, you know, thought it hurt the program. But I, if anyone wasn't shaking his hand on the way out, then, you know, you just don't know what reality is. I mean, when you can get a job like that and go on, then you take it, like much like Chris Beard, much like T.J. Osler. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, you're right. If he's really, really good for three years and someone like that comes knocking, you have to think about it. It is a family. I mean, I don't know why I get – I get fans who want people to be loyal and all that, but they never put themselves in the person's position. Like, hey, Joe, we're going to triple your salary, and you get all this other stuff. Is it okay? I mean, and fans are like, why would he leave? Um, so we'll have to see what happens. He's a long way from that. They're going to have to you know, start with year one, and we'll see who he recruits and what the roster is and how he does. But you're exactly right. I mean, it's your dream job now. It's all, it's, you know, what's, what do they always say? What's the best job you have? The one you have now, until, you ha- until you're offered something better. So... Down the, ro- down the road if that happens. And you've made this point earlier in the week. If that happens, then good for you, Novi, because he turned it and, the, and and they're doing much better than they are now. So that's what right. people don't don't think. If this guy in two to three years is getting a Power 5 job because they've been in the back-to-back NCAA terms, well, guess what? You have a much better job now to recruit coaches from because you're much better than when he, t- when he took over. Right, and that's sort of normally why teams lose coaches to, pa- to better jobs, but UNLV somehow has done twice where they have lost a coach to a better job without having any of that on-court success. Um, we got Kevin Kruger's contract yesterday. Five years, yeah. $3.85 million. He, uh, for your first year, he's going to get $750,000. His last year, year five, he would make $800,000. So uh, if you compare that to TJ Otzelberger, he was scheduled to make $1.3 million this upcoming season. So they basically cut that in half for what Kevin Kruger is going to get. Otzelberger was going to make more in the next three years than Kruger was going to make on his entire five-year deal. So what did you make of Kevin Kruger's contract? It's exactly what you and I predicted yesterday morning with the numbers we threw around. He's a first-time head coach. Uh, It's in a Mountain West school. This is not a first-time head coach in a Power 5 school where there's more more dollar figures. Now, I know people on Twitter saying, wait a minute, you got this in in the Otzelberger buyout? You know, uh, did you come a little cheaper? Uh, yeah, look, this is what Marvin got uh, somewhat around, a l- little, probably a little less when he came from New Mexico State as a head coach. This is the number you and I thought about. I mean, and look, if you do, it goes back to what your original point was. If you do really well and you win a lot and you go to the NCAA tournament, that part's going to take care of itself down the road. I mean, it just is. That's what happened. That's what this profession is. Do really, really well, and you're going to get rewarded, whether it be financially, job, or whatever. And so, yeah, I mean, people going crazy about this contract on Twitter. I this is kind of what we thought it would be. He's never been a head. To, he's never been a head coach. I mean, at some point in a Mountain West school, I think it's you know what we're going to give you a really nice raise. I would I if I'm him, and I think you know I don't know him. Maybe we'll ask him at seven thirty. 
if I'm him, you kind of probably knew what your salary would be. My question is, how much money is allotted for the assistants? Because that's what's really important in this whole spectrum. Can you hire the people you want? Can you keep the people you want? Can you get that recruiter you need? And those guys, you and I were talking about this yesterday, Tyler. Those guys make money. You get a really, really good recruiter in this country. Their contracts, we've seen from some Power Fives, are really, really big. So I think that maybe is also a question he asked. He probably knew where his salary would be. Like, But what is he going to be able to pay the people with him? That's a huge part of this. We need to go out and find uh, fired head coaches from this year that had a really good player that they can bring with them in the transfer portal. Well, he's probably going to the pro. Yeah, he's probably going to the pros, but is there any way they can convince Mobley's dad to come off the USC staff and just tell that kid to come with them? You don't really need to be the number two overall pick in the draft, son. We've got to go to UNLV now. I mean, both honestly, of those kids. You, you take either one of them, right? You can oh, let, yeah. You, can you take both. Seven footer, yes. You can let the seven-footer go pro and yeah. just take the, the smaller Take the one, other right? one. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be better than what UNLV has now. Um, and I, the, the assistance is going to be interesting. But I, I do want to ask you, what I what a lot of UNLV fans were trying to either ask me or tell me on Twitter yesterday was that UNLV the the contract that Kevin Kruger got and part of the reason Kevin Kruger was hired is because UNLV didn't have money to spend on a head coach. Do you believe they didn't have money to spend on a head coach? I I mean, is it realistic to say that given what the Osloberger buyout was? What do they didn't that money come back to them? Um, you know, I know the I know the big donation that came from the gentleman whose name is not on the court. I think that was more for scholarships. You can correct me if I'm wrong. We'll look that yeah, up. I don't know was. if that. I think that was more scholarships. It was. Look, I mean, okay. So let, let's put it this way: Do do you believe that they made a good faith uh, um, a good faith offer to keep Osliver? I believe they offered him an extension. I don't know if they offered him more money. That's that's the question I have yeah. about like the Altsburger extension. I like I, I truly believe they said, "Hey, we'll add two more years onto your deal at right. the price we're we're going to be paying you." But I don't know if they said, "Hey, we're going to give you more money right now for year three. That's what I don't know because that that would seem to be a hard sell as an AD to your fan base. Uh, so I I don't know exactly how they handled that. Uh, I mean, I guess my answer would be, look, you know, I think Alford, uh, I think they're going to restructure Dutcher when he didn't he didn't go to Minnesota, didn't deal with Minnesota. They're restructuring him. He's probably going to go to 1-5. Alford's kind of in that range. I mean, at, there's going to be a number you stop at the Mountain West. There just is. That's what this league is. So, you know, you're not going to get guys at 2-2-5 two, two, in the Power 5 numbers. So when they say they didn't have the money... I'm not so sure I completely believe that because, one, the important part is who are you talking about then? Who did you want more that would have demanded more money, and how much could they have really demanded in the Mountain West? I mean, so I, I, I don't believe they didn't have the money. I believe that this is who they you know they settled on hiring. And as a first-time coach, obviously, I'm sure they knew, look, one of the things that comes with this is we don't have to pay him one, two, or one, three, but that would have been most Mountain West schools if this was – Reno or, or San Diego State or New Mexico hiring a first-time head coach who's never been a head coach before? I don't think you would have seen 1-3 or 1-4 from any of those schools. This is the league they're in. So, to me, like UNLV, they had to have had the money, and, and it's because yeah. of one reason. They were going to pay Otzelberger $1.3 million. If Iowa yeah. State doesn't fire Steve Crow, Otzelberger's making $1.3 million as the head coach next season for UNLV. And so, like, if they didn't have the money, they would have been in a lot of trouble in the right. department yeah. because they weren't going to be able to play their head coach. So, like, I I believe they had the money. And then 
you throw in the buyout from Iowa State, which I'll say this, the one thing we don't know, we don't know if they paid it in a lump sum. I believe they can pay it in installments. Um, right, right. But the, the buyout right. from Iowa State would seemingly, even if it's coming in installments, you don't pay your head coach in a lump sum either. So no. they would be able, to me, they would have been able to pay their head coach a lot more than Kevin Kruger got. What I think happened is I think Desiree Francois legitimately decided Kevin Kruger's the best option. And because they were hiring a guy who had never been a head coach before, they weren't just going to give him $1.3 million just for the hell of it. They no. were going to say, hey, you've never been a head coach, so this is you know sort of the going rate for where you would be. And I, I yeah. think that's what happened. So I, like a lot of you UNLV fans have said, well, they didn't have the money. They, they had to go cheaper. I, I don't think they no. had to. Like, they no. had to have had the money because Otzelberger was going to make nearly twice what Kruger's getting now. No. It's, it's, it's like you said, it's two totally different things. People think that the number as going cheap, it's like, first of all, this is what a first-time head coach is going to be in the range of. It just is. And I, and like you said, look, Marvin had not only been head coach in New Mexico State, I think they had been to, what, three, four, five NCAA tournaments. Five, and yeah. this is kind of, okay, this is kind of the range he was in. And that guy was a head coach. So you're now dealing with a guy who's never been in head coach. This is kind of where he falls in salary. It doesn't mean they didn't have the money. It doesn't mean that they couldn't have paid more. It's just that. It's like everything in life. Go to a job where you're inexperienced in the role and tell me you make more than the guy who's been there so ever many years and have experience. It's, it's, it's not just college basketball. It's everything in life in terms of salary. So I think you're right. I think she settled on him as her coach, and this is the range of salary you would pay a first-time head coach in the Mountain West Conference. All right, coming up next, we are going to jump into the Raiders because Marcus Mariota is expected to be back next season. Mariota has an empty backfield. He'll take the snap, back into the gun, looks to the left, now runs over to the right, now going to take off for the corner. Can he make it once? Dives, got it! Touchdown! Jackpot, baby! Marcus Mariota dives into the end zone! You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Kevin Kruger is going to join us at 7.30. So if you'd like to hear from UNLV's new basketball coach, stay tuned. You're about 10 minutes away from him joining the show. Uh, But we'll do a little bit of Raiders here because we got some news. There's actually uh, the star advisor in Hawaii reported this yesterday that um, Marcus Mariota is expecting to re-sign with the Raiders. So we had a, a report earlier in the offseason that the Raiders were going to basically gave Mariota an ultimatum of, hey, we're going to basically give you a new contract where you're going to get $3 million next year, or we're going to release you. And it was up to Mariota to decide which of those two options he wanted because his current contract would pay him over $10 million for this upcoming season. Uh, so Star Advisors reporting that Mariota is expected to accept that ultimatum and take a $3 million salary with the Raiders. Uh, do you think Mariota should bet on himself, Ed, and take the release and see where he can get more money? You know what? Uh, I'm a little, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little surprised that he's going to take the three, but I wonder if, again, he and his agent have scoured the market. I don't think his agent, uh, if he did his due diligence, would allow this if he thought there were more money or better deals. I don't know, Marcus Merritt, he must, he might love Vegas. He might have found a home here. I don't know. And that's all stuff we don't know. But if he's going to take the three, wouldn't you think the agent has already made calls? I mean, you're not taking the three if someone in the market's like, well, we'd probably give him nine or ten. I don't think that that's plausible. So 
Maybe the market wasn't what they thought it would be for him. It surprises me a little given other guys who signed places for a lot more because just on the paper, I think he's a better quarterback than some of those guys. But if he does this, I would have to think they did their research that this is this is the best they have right now. It surprises me. But, you know, again, I don't think the agent was just sitting around not calling people to say, hey, what would he be worth out there? I think what's fascinating, and I, I don't know if the Raiders, like, did this on purpose, but the Raiders didn't release Mariota, and a lot of other teams that needed a quarterback signed quarterbacks, whether it was Chicago signing Andy Dalton, Washington signing Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah. or, or even, like, New England re-signing Cam Newton. Like, a lot of other teams just went ahead and signed the same, you know, Mariota fits into that category of, you know, right. border back-end starter in the back NFL. End. And I, I wonder, I get, I don't know if they did it on purpose, but at the end of the day, the Raiders kind of held Mariota hostage in that regard because he was under contract and he wasn't free to negotiate. If Mariota was a free agent, I bet yeah. Chicago's more interested in well, him than Andy Dalton. New England might have been more interested in him than Cam Newton. Like, it's very easy to argue that he's a better bet than a lot of the quarterbacks that sign. So I think whether it's on purpose or not, the Raiders held Mariota hostage yeah. and kind of gave him no choice because he couldn't negotiate with those teams. And now, oh, every team that needed a quarterback, well, they, they kind of already made a yeah. signing that would be Marcus Mariota and be dumb for them to bring in Mariota when they already have Fitzpatrick or Cam Newton back. So now Mariota's left with no obvious options. Yeah, and again, we said it all along, if you were one of those other teams, I'm waiting for them to cut him. One, I'm not taking on that salary. Price. Well, and I shouldn't say that. As a starter, though, maybe. Like, what, Dalton got $10 million. Yep. So if you're the Bears, I and maybe they did. I don't know. Do you not call and say, what do you want for him? Because if, if it's a $10 million, $11 million hit, whatever it is, we'd rather have him than give Andy Dalton that money. I don't know. I don't know if they called and what they heard back from the Raiders, they laughed at and said, we're not giving up that much for him. We'll just wait for him to wave him. And then they didn't wait around. Um, but, you know, again, it's, you know, he's, he, it looks like he's coming back. The best part about all this is it was from the Honolulu advertiser because I am big <laughs> into local papers having news before national people. So I thought that was cool. He's probably back in Hawaii with his family saying, hey, Jimmy, hey, is Jimmy still at the paper? Jimmy's here. Jimmy, mahalo. This is Marcus. I'm coming back to the Raiders. Is Jimmy still at the paper? <laughs> Do you think? Great. You, you, you know, they've covered that guy since he was probably like in sixth grade. But yeah, I was going to say, was it the middle school writer that he gave the scoop to that was covering his middle school? I hope games? it was. I hope it was. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I hope. I hope he seems like that kind of guy that he help out the local guy and good for him. Do you think Nathan Peterman is a uh, subscriber to the Honolulu Advertiser? <laughs> <laughs> he is now. Um, he probably did in the offseason just to, just to know where uh, the news was going to come on Mariota and uh, wanted to know. So, yeah. Um, it, so, it, I'm, it I'm, this allows me to see you know him at, at training camp and tell you guys he's bigger than usual. Oh, excellent. I cannot wait. Yeah. What if he comes? Yeah, he comes report. back bigger. Oh, size report on Marcus <laughs> yeah, Mariota. Size report would be great. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you bring up Nathan Peterman because Peterman is getting a million dollars this year. Uh, and if the if the number comes in at $3 million for Marcus Mariota this upcoming season, are, are the Raiders still spending too much on a backup quarterback? $3 million and then one for the other guy. So you're talking four total? Probably. They probably are. I'd look, I'd have to, and maybe you know this, um, I 
have to go around the league, I guess, and see what the, the whole cap is for all quarterbacks and backups and everything. But it sounds like a lot. It sounds like you're paying a lot for a guy. Now, the starter goes down with a knee injury or some kind of injury and, and is out for the season. Then, you know what? You're probably done pretty well for yourself. That's not something anyone wants to happen. But maybe they're thinking in that way. But for a team with cap problems, and unless I miss something, really hasn't fixed that secondary at all, I would think every dollar <laughs> means as much as possible. Don't worry. No, I mean, I, I would think every dollar means as much as possible. They haven't done anything in the secondary. <laughs> I mean, so it's the, the quarterback position. Like, like you said, if Derek Carr, whatever, yeah. goes down with some injury, then keeping Marcus Mariota around is is going to be a, a smart move. You're going to look back and say, oh, yeah, that, that was really good. But that seems like a poor way to spend your money when, A, the salary cap dropped this year, and, right. B... Your defense is really, really bad. Now, three million for a backup quarterback, like just as an example, like the thirty-third highest paid quarterback in football next season, which would be the you know the first guy without a job if it was you know at top thirty-two were all the starters. Jacoby Brissett's going to make five million dollars. Thirty-fourth is Jeff Driscoll making three point two. So paying your backup three million, it, it's not crazy, right? Jameis is his cap hit is two point five million dollars. This season, it's not crazy to pay your backup, you know, three million dollars. But this season is different from any other season, and your defense still has holes. And you would much rather have that three million dollars, whether you spend it on a guy for just three million dollars, or you were you were you could pay a guy nine million, but now you can upgrade to a better player and give him twelve million. Like it, it's almost like the Jason Witten signing last year, where. Witten, what Witten was getting like four million. It wasn't a massive deal that Witten was getting, but you look back and you say, "Well, we would have done a lot better if we had used that four million on a, on another defensive player instead of on Jason Witten." No, you know those are all good points. The other thing before we get out of here, uh, I want to ask you really quick: uh, is is Andre James going to be a pro bowler? Because real quick, <laughs> what, what, when the guy's going to be a restricted free agent, and he you were take you're asking him to take over Rodney Hudson, and you think he's good, but how can you really know? Were you surprised they gave him a three-year deal when he was going to be in RFA next year? Why wouldn't you just wait through the season? Three years, $12.5 I hope Andre James what? called the Raiders I mean, up and said, listen, you guys got rid of Rodney Hudson. If you don't pay me, I'm holding out. I hope he threatened to hold out because oh they goodness. they made him the starter. Here's the thing. He's played 116 offensive snaps in his Yeah, career. and they, they give him 12.5, 6 guaranteed. <laughs> It, 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 has any, has, has Gus, is Gus Bradley still in the lab not telling them what he thinks about the corners and safeties? <laughs> Every day it's something else offensively or with their offense. Like, we, we, you got to really look at the safeties and corners at this point. I Just all I want is Gus Bradley to exit the lab and just have bloodshot <laughs> eyes and just like the look of like a person who just saw a ghost. And he's just like, I, I watched every defensive snap. We need everything. Jeez. And they're like, we spent all the money. He gave it to Andre James. The money is gone. Andre got 12, six guaranteed. (laughs) All right, coming up next, we talk to new UNLV head basketball coach Kevin Kruger. Joel, a couple of dribbles, gives it back to Kruger. Kruger for three from the right side. Again, makes another one, a chance for another four-point play. That could be Kevin Kruger's second four-point play in the second half. You barely see sometimes, you barely see that once in a game. Kevin Kruger's going to see it twice in the same half. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia. Come see a Kia on West Sahara. Well, 
Joining us now is the head coach of UNLV basketball, Kevin Kruger. Kevin, how are you this morning? Hello, Kevin. Oh, doing great. How are you guys doing? We good. are good. How do, how do you feel hearing a uh, a radio call of a four point play you had? Uh, what was that like fifteen years ago? <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for that reminder. Um, <laughs> it, honestly, it, it was actually really great to hear Gondo's voice. Um, you know, miss him and. And that brought back a lot of memories with him and him and Sandler. But uh, yeah, no, that was a, I know exactly what they're talking about. But when when you're really unathletic and you fall down from time to time, sometimes the ref gives you a call and it turns into a four point play. Wait a minute, you remember that exact play just from listening to the call? Uh, yeah, well, it would have been. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was a TCU game um, at home. Ah. Uh, just. I mean, I guess two four-point plays and a half doesn't happen a lot, but that's a hell of a memory, Kevin. Well, I think that's just why. I mean, okay. that's kind of my shining light right there. Do you I, – I celebrate every time because it bugged him so much, and I asked you about the Porto yesterday, which was the awesome – the great thing, and you remember this, is V16. And I'm sure you like him, but Bo Ryan's response was awesome after you beat him. But do you realize, like, five years later, which is awesome, when I think when Russell Wilson – uh, transferred into Wisconsin, Bo Ryan said, you know, I remember that Kevin Kruger also. He was in the portal. That must make you laugh every time that Bo Ryan continues to talk about you years later when it comes to this portal. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I mean, the portal's obviously taken a life of its own. <laughs> and, um, and, and and Kevin Kruger and Russell Wilson, that just, guys, yes. just made my day. I mean, this just keeps getting better and better. <laughs> You're only 24 hours into this. You're Russell Wilson. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kevin, I did want to ask you about uh, looking at your roster for next season. You guys have uh, two players in Gilbert and, and Kaluma that are, are signed as recruits for next year. Have you talked to them recently what their status is as far as wanting to stay with UNLV? Uh, yeah, yeah. We talk, And we talked to uh, everybody. Um, and we're going to just continue to have ongoing conversations and, uh, and just kind of see and make sure that we're all on the same page. Uh, at the end of the day, we want everybody to be happy. Um, I think uh, for anybody to get where they want to get to, you know, you've got to feel good, be where you want to be, uh, be happy with what you're asked to do and, and kind of be on the same page and the same plan going forward with the, the staff and the program. So uh, the conversations are going to be ongoing. We're, uh, you know, the, the people that I have reached out to and talked to that, have done the, you know, can remember the first time coaching thing. Uh, they just really, really keep going back to patience, patience and patience. Just there's no reason to jump at anything and, and do anything um, off a knee-jerk reaction. So uh, that's something that, you know, uh, with the, some decisions and, and some of this process, I really just take a deep breath, kind of figure it out from there. But, yeah, we're just going to keep talking to guys and uh, just keep figuring out how we can help them. And, you know, just at the end of the day, we want them to be happy. And uh, we want all their hopes and dreams to come true and have the best college experience they can have. Yeah, for, for someone who made the decision to transfer, you've gone through it in terms of all the thoughts that go through your head. Should I do it? Should I not? All of that. Um, is that give you a little experience and all you've experienced over the years for guys who might at this point be wondering now, okay, what should my next step be? Uh, I think so. It, it just It is another person, a familiar voice that – uh, has experienced it, and if they ask for um, something or if they want to talk about it, uh, I do have that you know, firsthand uh, knowledge and experience from doing it because I do remember going through it, and um, I remember it just clear as day. You know how every day 
felt different. You know, a few hours, a simple uh, commercial. Uh, I mean, things can just can really just change your emotion and your mood and, and kind of uh, alter what you're thinking and of how you want to go forward. And, you know, for me, it, I, I just couldn't kind of pick a side. And uh, just at the end of the day, I just, just wanted to be around family. And so, you know, the, the emotion and the, you know, the bond that I had there uh, kind of won out. All right. I'm going to ask you a question that if I had to answer, I would hate trying to figure out how to answer it. But I am curious, how did you sell yourself in this process? How did you sell yourself to Desiree Francois as, yes, I'm the guy, I should be the next head coach at UNLV? Um, well, for the most part, yeah, I definitely just passed that on to Desiree, like you said. <laughs> but uh, uh, just, you know, I think, you know, just this being home, this being home, uh, and just my love for UNLV. I think uh, my love for UNLV, the city of Las Vegas, the, the running Rebel basketball program, I'm, I'm hoping that if you ask her and, and she answers, we, we're, uh, we are aligned. When you talked, and we saw the, the cool video with Lon before he played uh, uh, Gonzaga, and obviously they're they, they're done now, so maybe the conversations will be a lot, you know, a lot more extensive. Uh, but this is you also stepping into your own world as head coach. You'll obviously lean on him for a lot of things, but is it also an opportunity to you now to kind of forge your own identity as head coach? Where will that balance come between you and him? Um, well, I think you know. That balance has just always kind of been there, and uh, especially once I kind of left for college, uh, we've always had a, we've always talked. I think you know, throughout my playing days, even even overseas, uh, because our, our relationship really just got stronger as time went on. And while I ask, I do ask for his advice uh, and his opinion on things. I, I have been called a little stubborn by people <laughs> close to me, and so there are certain things that. You know, I, I feel strongly about we'll we'll go with, but um, as you mentioned, yeah, I'm, I'm going to lean on him heavy and uh, his experience and uh, you know everybody's got a mentor I feel and, and people they rely on and and mine just happens to be my dad. Uh, I think people that come up through the coaching profession would uh, I think I'd be silly not not to ask somebody with his credentials and resume and and accomplishments. You know, to have that access to talk to him as much as I do, I think it'd be kind of uh, uh, just not very smart not to. And uh, at the end of the day, he's going to be pretty blunt with me, too. I don't think he's ever made words <laughs> with me. So. so we talked to Lon during the season, and, and I asked him if we were going to get an Oklahoma-UNLV game, and his response was that there would be no winners in that scenario. So what I'm curious is, who, if you guys played, who in your family is cheering for you to win, and who in your family is cheering for Lon to win? Ooh. Well, first, I, I do kind of agree there would be no winners unless we won. <laughs> but um, I think my mom would probably side with me, and uh, my <laughs> sister would probably lean towards Pop. But uh, if you guys don't, if you guys don't remember, we we actually played in the uh, NIT game. Um, oh, his first wow. year here. Yes. Was that right? You played against him. Yeah, and they and they beat us. Yeah, I was a Sun Devil at that time, but wow. But they beat us, and uh, it wasn't fun. I didn't. <laughs> we lost, <laughs> and I don't remember having a stellar night. So, 
but I was happy uh, for him to move on. But uh, yeah, no, no winners that night. How? Uh, well, I'm going to make my co-host very happy here. So, um, younger coach, obviously, uh, he's Tyler. Hoped that at least once a post-game press conference, you will come up with some weird analytic and some kind of bizarre number. <laughs> but tell us, in terms of being a young coach, the analytical world, uh, where you sit on it, how much you dive into it, all that. And, you know, even, you know, coaches like Lon, they, they will even talk about stuff like that. It's just, just a huge part now of the game. So where are you on that? And can we expect a lot of good quotes from you about analytics? <laughs> um, I don't know if we can expect the quotes. I don't know if I'm quite <laughs> smart enough to translate all of the math and the numbers. But I think what the direction the game has gone, as you mentioned, is just that we have these these capabilities to support kind of what, the coaching staff and what the players feel. I mean, if you go on these, these, these sites and these analytics sites, I mean, the, the way that it's broken down and detailed uh, really just allows you as a staff to get with a player and, and show them and show them the numbers and what is the average and, you know, what we need to accomplish every possession for it to be considered a good possession. And right. um, I'm sure I, I might throw some out there and it might not even be right if I use myself along the way but um yeah no we're i think and we're not going to be uh, as drastic i don't think as just shoot nothing but threes and layups but i do think oh. in a perfect world you would do that oh. um but it's at the end of the day we, we just want to shoot good shots open shots rhythm shots that are created by a teammate and um, i think at the end of the day if you do sprinkle in some some mid-ranges or even some tough shots if you're feeling oh. good then then so be it. We're gonna we're gonna let him play. I'm gonna be the floor is yours, Tyler. The floor is yours. I'm just gonna I'm <laughs> telling you now, Kevin. I'm gonna be yelling about the mid range jumpers every time you guys take one. Good, good. We're, uh, <laughs> if it's a tough shot and it doesn't go in, we'll uh, we'll be yelling about it too. <laughs> right. uh, Kevin, the last thing I did want to ask you was uh, just as the head coach, because on the outside we talk about expectations of this program and it's been eight years since this program has been in the NCAA tournament and that is the ultimate goal of pretty much every college basketball team but I'm curious like when you're an assistant coach and now the head coach like how do you guys view how do you guys handle you know a fan base that is desperate to go back to the NCAA tournament and and expects to be back there soon I think we got to embrace it I think we've got to embrace it uh the just the number of <laughs> emails from Season ticket holders and supporters uh, shows the the love and the the support and the desire to to get back to the NCAA tournament. And some of those emails have very detailed plans of how we can get there, <laughs> and and those are appreciated because it, it does show the, what this city and what this town um, how much they love you know you the running rebels and. And we, we expect that of ourselves, too. And I think at the end of the day, uh, it'll be clear in how we go about things and how we play that as much as, as they care, the players, the staff, and everybody at UNLV care just as much uh, of getting back to the NCAA tournament, being competitive, competing for conference championships, and, and just having a very high expectation. And it, you know, just from what we put in, and what we do every day, that we just have to demand from ourselves that we get out the most from those game nights because of what we've done leading up to those games. 
I look forward you know, to hearing you in the future telling us that it, you scheduled a game or landed a transfer because Bobby1743 well, at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'll <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, I've, I always want to be a college basketball coach, and now I'm closer than ever. Because if you're telling me all I need is emails who are very opinionated and tell me everything I do wrong, brother, I'm like right there with you. So <laughs> I, I feel your pain because the emails, they're the best part of the day, and yet uh, you realize that you're really not doing anything. Well, we haven't gotten any nasty ones yet. No. So I, I did have to <laughs> then I'll send you over to... some. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you can keep those. You can keep those. We're going to stay positive over here. Well, he is Kevin Kruger, the new head coach for UNLV basketball. Kevin, we appreciate it this morning. Thanks, Kev. Appreciate it. No, thank you, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. Take care. Oh, uh, emails. emails. Give oh, him a few voicemails. Give him a few voicemails. It won't want to have anything to do with writing. Oh, oh I Listen, <laughs> I, I want to be the fan that sends an email to the head coach with, here's my plan. Yes. Here's how you should do this. I mean, I guess I do that on the radio every day. But I, was gonna say, I want to be the fan. That's, I'm going to start sending one to uh, Dusty Baker and the Astros and say, listen up, Dusty. Here's what we need to be uh, doing. Let's be honest, though. You're so into the analytics. When they shoot enough mid-range jumpers, oh, this poor done. guy's going to get an email from tbish66 <laughs> at ESPN Radio. Listen, I'm a fan of the program. I'm going I'm to point out how many mid-range jumpers you took last night. I'm just going to send him this, uh, the shot chart and say, what is this? <laughs> what are these? What are these dots inside the arc but not in the paint? They need to go. They got to go. All right. Coming up next, we will jump into the NCAA tournament as the first two rounds are finally over. Camp for Garza wants a three, and that shot wow. is good. Look out. He's got 17 here in the first half. Buckle up, people. You know, I feel bad that I wasn't able to lead this team where, to where it needs to go. We did a lot of really, really good things this year, and, and it just hurts that we weren't able to you know, do it when it mattered most, and you know, that's something that's going to haunt me forever. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Uh, Jared, was Luca Garza talking there? That had to be Garza, right? Yep. He sounds exactly like he looks. That is yes. exactly what yes. I expected Luca Garza. Because yes. here's, here's the thing about Luca Garza. Luca Garza looks like a seven-foot meathead version of Riley Smith. Uh, yeah, Luca Garza has kind of the meathead. Uh, well, he also has kind of the meathead Rob Gronkowski going for him, just like the <laughs> total meathead. That Gronkowski sounds like he'd think he would. I mean, it, it, you know, when you get the meathead persona, when the voice comes out, usually they're pretty they're pretty spot on. I don't know that I'd ever heard Luca Garza talk, but that is exactly no. what I expected Luca Garza to sound like. Now, I'm not sure, we're not sure we're going to hear him on draft night either. But no, they got knocked out by Oregon yesterday, which means Amori Hardy is in the Sweet Sixteen. UNLV has two former players in Hardy and Jonathan Chamuchachua in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, but somehow we're sitting here with the Big Ten having nine teams in the NCAA tournament. The Big Ten before the NCAA tournament having like. What was it? Seven of the top 15 in net and Ken Palm. They have one team in the Sweet 16. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 has four. I don't like how, how much do we how much should we take NCAA tournament results as a way to judge teams and conferences when we're talking about single elimination games versus their entire season? Uh, we've I think we talked about it yesterday uh, or on Friday where. At one level, that's somewhat unfair. Like if a team had a great year and they get a bad matchup or they miss shots, then you say, oh, you know, it's a horrible year. But there's a lot of 
you know, uh, there's a lot of highlights on this and a spotlight on this tournament. This is like you told Kevin Kruger, this is where every fan wants to go. So when you go into it and you underachieve, you know, you're going to get backlash. Now, should the backlash be the idiots on Twitter threatening the Ohio State kids like? No, then you've gone over to a very disturbed level of, of, of people being mad. But there's so much attention on this event and getting there and being in it. It does exasperate things when you lose and you're supposedly not supposed to. Yeah, it's it's all small sample sizes. And, and even in this scenario where you have multiple Big Ten teams knocked out early, it's it's still ultimately small sample sizes. But the thing that sticks out the most is that the Big Ten has had high seeds knocked out of the NCAA tournament. That the Big yes. Ten has lost. They lost a one seed in the first round. They lost a one seed in the second round and a two seed in the second round, right? Like, that. that's brutal for yeah. the Big Ten to lose ones and twos in the first and second round because normally, if you're a one or a two seed... You get to the 16, at least. Yeah, you, you get to the Sweet 16. I'd have to look up the percentage, but I'd have to guess one seeds get to the Sweet 16 over oh, yeah. 90% of the time, and yes. two seeds get there maybe over 90% of the time, yeah. too. Like, it's... It's not necessarily a cakewalk, but it's like you're one or a two seed. You're in the Sweet 16 most of the time. So for yes. them to lose, like it, it's not like the Big Ten has just lost, oh, you know, a seven seed got knocked out or, oh, a six got upset by somebody. They've lost ones and twos. They lost teams that, like, people thought were legitimate title or final four contenders in Illinois and Ohio State and Iowa, and that's a brutal look for a conference. Yeah. So, again – it's still all small sample size, but to lose to Oral Roberts, Loyola Chicago, and Oregon in the first two rounds, it's it's tough, and it makes you sort of question the evaluations over the season uh, of the Big Ten and this entire college yeah. basketball year. I'm just glad we got to see Oregon, Iowa, because it was the best game I've seen in that entire tournament, because uh, by the time you and I left the book yesterday, it was like 43-42 still in the first half, so that was actually a really fun game to watch. Oregon, man. Uh, you know, people thought, how would they look after, you know, getting getting bied through after the COVID with VCU? They look pretty good. That was a that was a really fun game to watch. And, you know, guards had a great game um, in terms of stats. But I think Dane Altman's such a good coach. He probably looked at it and said, OK, Luca Garza, you can have your double double. And, you know, someone no one else is going to beat us. And uh, that's what happened. You know, he had numbers and he's an interesting guy. I know you have on the rundown. I do think it's interesting. I don't think I here's the thing. I might be off on this or miss. I don't. I not only think he's not a lottery player. I want to see if he goes in the first round. I, I don't even know if he goes in the first round. And he, you know that happens. Sometimes you're a tremendous college player, and your skill set, your athleticism, whatever it is, just doesn't translate. You know, Jimmer, people like that. It just doesn't translate. He might be one of those guys. He'll get drafted, but I'm not certain he's going in the first round. Luca Garza is the perfect example of college basketball has passed him by because. Yeah. Luca Garza yeah. is a seven-footer. And and listen, he shoots threes, too. It's not yeah, like Luca he's, Garza no, he's, is, yeah. is purely a back-to-the-basket guy. Right. But the reason Oregon ran Iowa off the floor yesterday mm-hmm. is because Oregon went small. Oregon yes. played a small lineup, and Luca Garza, he's not the only problem. Iowa had some major defensive problems. But they could not guard Oregon's small ball lineup. And that's where, if you're Luca Garza... You don't really have a chance in the NBA if you can't guard Oregon's small ball lineup because NBA teams are going to pick on you. He's the perfect example of, hey, extremely talented in college basketball. It can still work to a level because there's enough uh, variety of teams. But ultimately, the game is passed by players like Luka Garza. Pick Namish Kate over Luka Garza. <laughs> what? 